If you have your Bibles, let's turn to the Gospel of Matthew for the reading of God's Word this morning, chapter 4. Uh, over the last six weeks, I've been kind of looking at the three temptations of Christ. Oh, the two, but today is the third, so it seems that I'm here, and then we were away for camp, and before that, I was here, and then I was away uh, in another situation. And so today is the last temptation of Jesus. But let's, uh, let's, uh, let, me, let me read for you, if, and follow along if you can, because I don't want you to think I'm leading you astray. Not that you would think that, but um, follow along. Matthew chapter 4 beginning to read at verse 1 down to verse 11. So it's not very long. It says this, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Well, Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to, be the, to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. It was, and it said, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Let's pray. Our Father, we're thankful today for the opportunity that we have to, to be in this place. And Father, to worship you in the, in the music, in the ministry of the music. Our Father, in joining our hearts together as, as we have been led in praise and adoration to your throne and in supplication. And, and Father, as we as we in our spirits have bent our knees and bowed our heads before you, Father, in worship, Lord, we're thankful for this opportunity. And Father, we, we desire, Lord, to look into your word. We desire, Father, to know its truth and how it applies to us. Father, we desire to be followers of Jesus Christ, your Son. We desire to be taught by your Holy Spirit. We desire to claim this promise from John 16 that your Holy Spirit would come and he would teach us that deeper truth that Jesus spoke about, things that, that as we matured, we would be able to, 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 to grasp and to hold on to more and to, to understand more and deeper things with you. And so, Father, today, Lord, here we are. And, Father, I'm asking in Jesus' name that you would guide us along the paths of truth that you have prepared for everyone who's here and everyone who's listening at home. 
Uh, Father, show us your truth that we would grow strong and understand and live in the kingdom of your spirit in these days under the anointing that is so necessary to flow through your church into the world today. Father, guide us in this. Father, you know the needs of our hearts. Father, you know the needs of those who are here. And Lord, you know the needs of those who are sitting at home. And Father, you know the struggles that we face. Father, you know the, the, the agonies of our hearts that, that day after day we, we struggle with. And, and Father, day after day we, we agonize over. And Father, and perhaps it's children that we hold to your throne. Perhaps it's our situations of life. Perhaps it's our finances. Perhaps it's our spiritual journey. But Father, wherever we find ourselves today, I'm asking, Lord, in Jesus' name, that your Holy Spirit would reach out and Touch each one in the name of Jesus Christ. Heal and strengthen and bless and empower and let your anointing rest over everyone. Father, help us to be all that you desire for us to be. Father, this morning as we look into your word, I'm asking, Lord, very sincerely and Father, very humbly, you, you know my heart. I understand, Father, that, that, that what we need to hear doesn't come from, from this human mind or this human heart, but, Father, it, it needs to come from your throne. And so, Father, I'm asking again today in Jesus' name that, that you would clothe yourself with this form. I'm asking, Father, that you would guide and guard the words of this mouth, that they would speak your truth. And Father, we would know, thus saith the Lord, Father, you are the sovereign king. Lord, I say it out loud again today. And I submit myself to your authority in Jesus' name. Bless each one that your church might be a blessing to this darkened world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I spent a... A large part of um, Friday morning, Friday actually, large part of Friday now that I think about it, uh, with that shooting in Fredericton. That was a bad situation there, you know. And uh, the phone started ringing right first off, you know, and, uh, and the other hat that I, that I wear and, and uh, spoke with the, the pastor of the Nazarene church two doors down, kind of two houses away from where they were and and um, asking if, you know, if they're okay. And, and, you know, remember you heard her testimony when she was here that night. Remember that? And, and that, that they had their own hostage situation when they, from Guatemala, you know, and they were still sought after by some of the gang that didn't get arrested by the police. And, and so I, I was thinking to myself, you know, that Annabella would, who was there and in that, in that circle, you know, in, inside the enclosure, you can see the police cars, if you watch CBC at all, you know, right in front of the church and, and the parsonage right there and them hunkered down inside the parsonage and I was talking to them on the phone at the same time. It was, it was quite, a, quite a thing for them, you know, and all the reliving of what was where they came from. CBC called this morning before 8 o'clock. Who gets up before 8 o'clock anyway? Anyway, they, you know, here they are. Hello, I'm CB. You know, this is, a, yeah, you do back there, Alan. 10-2, probably. 
You know, and uh, the first thing, it's the thing you want to hear, somebody on the telephone from CBC in Toronto saying, you know, asking you questions, and you're thinking, okay, is this a joke? You know, are you serious? Are you, you know, and here, you know, it was CBC from Toronto. And the question they asked was this. The question, it was interesting because uh, Ruth mentioned it just as Brad was uh, leading us in worship, and one of the things he said, and, and CBC asked this question this morning. They said, um, what, what is the church doing in this time of darkness and fear? Right? CBC Toronto. And, uh, and I, you know, kind of went through some stuff, and I said, you know what? I explained who I was, and, and I said, this is, this is Pastor Annabelle's phone number. She was right in it. She was right in the middle of it. You, could, you should talk to her because they are doing some stuff. And, you know, but all the world is watching. And, and when darkness falls on, on all of our consciousness, when darkness surrounds us, when difficult things happen, the world wants to know, people want to know what, what will bring light. What is the church doing in this situation? Funny, eh? You know, many of these people are the first to blame the church. You know, if you watch a lot of CBC, you know, the church is this, the church is that, the church is that. But when darkness surrounds <clears throat> and uncertainty comes, the, the question is what, is, what can the church do in this moment? <clears throat> it lines up with our, with our text this morning, looking at the, uh, at the third temptation of Christ. And so as, as we begin this, I, I want you to think for a little bit this morning, <clears throat> well, no, two things. Why are you here? Now, why are you here? Why are you listening to this? We say, well, you know, I'm here because uh, I want to meet with God. That's, that's why most of us would come to church, right? Am I right? Yeah, I, I would say. Most of us know that the presence of the Lord is here. You could, you could feel his presence when you come in, okay? So, so that's kind of one reason why I'm here. So, so we say, well, I, I want to I meet with God, and I want to hear from God. I want to be filled up again. Uh, you know, I go out in, into, into life. I, uh, I go out from the church and, I, and, I, and the, the kingdom moves through me, I hope and pray, you know, and people that I talk to, things that I do, my, my speech, my manner, my forgiveness, you know, I, I want the kingdom of God to be manifest through my life. So that's, that's probably why we're here. <clears throat> well, it, it kind of lines up and it leads into the second question that relates directly to this. What, what do you want out of life? What? What do, you, what do you want? We'll say, well, you know, I, I want to do God's will. But what if God's will for you is to be in the middle of a, of a gunfight and people dying around you? What if, what if that's God's will? Well, I, I, I want to I do God's will. He will give me strength in those moments. Well, well what if it's God's will that, uh, that, that you're crucified? You know, like, I mean, the, the disciples said the same things. They, they said, Lord, wherever you go, we want to go. Wherever you do, we want to do. And, and Jesus said, are you prepared to be baptized with the exact same baptism that I am baptized with? And, and we say, well, yes. And then Jesus went on and he said, well, so be it then. You will be baptized with the same baptism that I'm baptized with. But I'll, I would, I would, I'm not a gambling person much. As much as, any, as anyone is, you know, I mean, I don't buy lottery tickets. That's voluntary taxation. That's not even gambling. You're just giving your money to, to the government there. But, but say, like, like farmers gamble, you know, and, and you put seed in the ground and you're gambling, that's going to come up, right? If you have blueberries, you know, you're, you're, you put uh, spray on the fields and you manicure them and you mow them and you look after them and you're just, you're gambling, that's going to be no frost. 
You're gambling, the price is going to be up. You're gambling that you know you're going to that you're going to get a greater return than what you put in. That's that's part of life, you know. So in that way, we're all kind of gamblers. But I would, if I were a gambling man, I would probably say that a, that a lot of people would attend a church or listen to church or listen to uh, to a to a preacher so that they their lives can be easier. They can they can find a way through the trauma or the trouble. They can find a way through the darkness. They could be successful. I have yet to meet anybody who wakes up in the... I should think about this. <laughs> who wakes up in the morning and says, today I'm really hoping to be miserable and hoping that I fail. <laughs> now, I, now, it's not my wife, but I do know some wives who, who think that way. You know, I, I, you know, they get up first thing and, and, I, and I, you know, I, you know, I mean, I don't mean the morning thing, you know, I get those little coffee cups from people that say, coffee, 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 shut up, coffee, 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 you know, or another one that someone gave me and they said, uh, it's just way too early for you to be saying anything, you know, and like, like, I mean, we, we have that, but, but none of us get up in the morning and say, well, I hope, I hope today fails, absolutely, I hope today is a really miserable day. We get up in the morning, we say, I, oh, you know, it's a great day out, and, uh, and I got things to do, and I got places to go, and, and Lord, help me today to, to get through this, you know. We want to be successful in life and living. <clears throat> okay, so, so we, we move through this, and, and notice here, um, notice, notice here that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, for a specific purpose, and that was to be tempted by the devil. That doesn't sound really spiritual to me. You know, I, I, I would kind of be thinking to myself, well, you know, uh, Jesus was led by the Spirit to, to host a great revival. Jesus was led by the Spirit to, uh, to, to begin a great evangelistic crusade in, with Osmel in Manzanillo. That's, that's where we want to be. We, we want to see the excitement of what it is to be led by the Spirit to do great things for the glory of God. But Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil at his weakest point. After 40 days of fasting, it says he was at peace. No. After 40 days of fasting, it said he had the comfort of God. No. After 40 days of fasting, it said he was ready for the revival because that's why people fast. No. It says after 40 days, he was hungry. After 40 days, his, his, his physical self was aching for satisfaction. After 40 days, all the stresses of life was coming up. Did you ever fast a week? Did you ever fast 10 days? Did you, I mean, really, really fast. I know some of you have. You know, I, I, uh, I used to do that a lot, you know. Well, as you can tell, I haven't for a while. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're thinking. <clears throat> But, you know, after, after, let me think, after about three days, I, there's this temptation comes into my mind about a, a cup of red rose tea and a ginger snap cookie. <laughs> and that's all I can think about after about three days. After five days, I'm thinking of Pepsi and a piece of uh, raisin pie. 
And, you know, and then, then that's all I can think of. And then I can't sleep, and then I get up in the morning, and I have no energy. And, but 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus fasted, and then it says that he was hungry. So the first temptation that came to Jesus was to turn these stones into bread. You know, what, what's wrong with that? That's what, 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 what's wrong with that? What's wrong, what's wrong with that? Bread is sin? Well, if you're celiac, it could be, you know, it could be bad for you. But what, what's wrong with that, with, with God meeting your basic needs? That seems like a good thing. And there's something that we find in, these, in the temptations of Jesus. And what it is, it's a, it's a demonstration on the one hand of the principles of Satan of living your life. And what Jesus illustrates over here is what it is to live under the authority of God. So there's, there's two choices here, and they're really close. And the, the, the principles of Satan over here, they're cloaked in this spirituality because he quotes scripture, and he backs it up with scripture. And as Christians, you can live your lives under the principles of Satan and not live under the authority of God because, because you haven't examined what these two differences are. Because what's wrong with bread? Nothing. <clears throat> you know, we talked about that a long time ago, so we're not going to talk about that, but I want to I just bring your attention to that. that, uh, that I mean, he said there in verse 3, the tempter came and said to him, he said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, verse 4, he said, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but upon every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you want to live under the authority of God? Do you want to know what it is to live in the kingdom of God? Then listen to this. <clears throat> Jesus nod, this is what he said. So what evidence do we have of what he did? This is what he said in the crisis when he knew he was being tempted and he knew this was his testing point, we know what he said. What'd he do? <clears throat> well, let me think here now. Over in John chapter three, there's a passage of scripture over there. No, John chapter four, there it is. Uh, there he's talking to the woman by the well. And down about verse 27, his disciples were sent away. You remember how that went? And uh, his disciples returned, and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked him, you know, what do you want, or why are you talking to her? And verse 28 says, then leaving uh, her water jar, the woman, she went back, and she got all that. And, and verse, there it is, verse 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him. They said, Rabbi, you got to be hungry. Eat something. Okay, now we know what he said back in Matthew. But here's what he did in John. They said, Rabbi, you must be hungry, so eat something. He said to them, he said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Hmm. That's interesting. His disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Verse 34 says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Okay, well, wait a minute. Let's, let's just hold on a minute. Let's go back over to Matthew chapter 4. Jesus said, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus' response here was, he says, There's a, when you live under the authority of God, 
it's important to know what is God's will in this situation. You know, not all those who say unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father which is in heaven. Doing the will of God is pretty important then. Jeremiah chapter 1 and 1, there, or chapter 1, about verse 11, 12, 13, 14, let's say, it goes something to the effect of that God is seeking for those who would do his will. You see, so knowing the will of God in all these situations is really important. Well, the tempter went on. <clears throat> Verse 2, you know, he took Jesus to the highest point in the, in the temple. Well, what does that say anyway? Again, verse 8 says, again, the devil took him to a very high, no, that's not that, that's a very high mountain. That's, we don't want that one. The devil, uh, verse 5, the devil took him to, to the holy city. To the holy city. Had him stand on the highest point of the temple. You know, remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about that, just to refresh your memory. You remember there, it was that he went to the holy city. Now, why didn't he say that they took him to Jerusalem and there, you know, they, they, they stood out in, outside the, the temple, you know, or, or stood on the streets or stood on Golgotha and he said, you know, we can save you from all this. But he took him to the, and he calls it the holy city. You know, and, and remember how, how we, we talked about that, that sometimes, you know, as we move through, the enemy says to us, you know, I can take you to the very pinnacle of, of spiritual authority and spiritual power. I can help you rise through the ranks of the, of the career as a, as a pastor, as a district superintendent, as a general, or as a pope. I can set you on the highest point of what everyone calls holy. And you can make this grand entrance and because the Bible says that, that you know, that, that you can float down there and you can have this great authority and all of that, you know, that you get to the very highest point of this. And the devil says, I can take you there. Well, wait a minute. Why? why? What, what, what does that mean even? <clears throat> Jesus' response to him tells us some Interesting things. He says, he said, it is, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Living under the authority or under the principles. The authority of God or the principles of Satan. You see, under the principles of Satan, we say, I'm going to be Pope. Under the authority of God, we say, I'm going to be obedient to the Father. And I can be, I can be working with a, with a tribe of lepers. It doesn't matter as long as I'm under the authority of the Father. This says, I need to rise. I'm doing this. I'm going here. I'm going to be a somebody. This over here says, I'm content to be under the hand of God. I'm, I'm content to fly my little plane like, uh, like uh, the, the, the Elliot. You remember him? Flew the plane up the jungle. Died there in the sands. He bled out with a spear stuck into him. His family went back up and won the tribe. I, I'm content to let my life bleed out on the sands of some shore where no one knows about Jesus and no one maybe would ever know what happened because I'm living under the authority of God. <clears throat> we, we, th this, this one, uh, this is a curious one, this, uh, this one. I, as I was praying about it this morning, you know, I guess I just, um, 
I was, I was thinking of the Israelites, you know, because, I mean, they were God's people, right? And as, as God was forming them and they were going into this new land, there was a, there was a danger that arose. And remember, and Revelation talks about Revelation uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 14, actually. As he's talking to the churches there, he says, you know what? I have something against you that you hold to this doctrine of Balaam, you know, who encouraged the people to sin, and so they died in their sins, you know, and then you can read about this, the whole story of Balaam in, in Numbers 22, 23, 24, <clears throat> but, but down there, it was, it was where the, uh, where as they were coming into the land, this one king, I think his name was Balak, wasn't it? Anybody remember the story? Balak? And Balak came to Balaam because Balaam was a prophet. And when this, you know, before everyone knew about, about uh, the Israelites and knew about who God was, Balaam did. Balaam and God had a relationship that Balaam could actually speak the truth. And so, so they, they called, Balak called Balaam and said, Balaam, come on over here. I'm going to give you silver and gold. I want you to curse these people. And every time Balaam stood up, he blessed them. You know, he said, they're going to be great and multiply. Nobody stand against them. And Balaam getting mad over here. And you know how it all went. And so, so Balaam finally said to Balak, because Balak was going to kill Balaam. And Balaam said to Balak, you get all those bees in there? Balaam said to Balak, he said, I can't curse them. You don't understand. I can only say what comes out of my mouth from God. That's all I can do. He said, but I'll tell you what. That this is what Revelation talks about. You tell them to come to one of the feasts of Peor, as it was called. It was a fertility feast. And have all of the, all the temple prostitutes there to seduce the young Israelite men. And then we'll see what happens at the next battle. Because you see, they think they are standing at the holy city at the highest point. They can't get any higher than this. They can't fall. They can't do anything wrong that I'm going to bless them no matter what. See, that's living under the principles of Satan. When the authority of God says, I want to bless you, but listen to me. You know what happened? Every one of those Israelite men were killed. Because you can't play with that fire over there and to survive in the plan of God. You can't do it. And you read about it. Genesis, Revelation chapter 2, verse 14, and Numbers 22, 23, 24. So <clears throat> we come to, to the third one. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Now, in the second temptation, you notice he took him to a high point. It, uh, Jerusalem was on a mountain, and it was on a high point on the mountain. The holy city, and then the high point in the holy city. So now he took him to a very high point. So, so I mean, it, it kind of begs the question, why didn't he just do them all at once when he was at the high point in the holy city on the, on the peak of the temple there? Why didn't he just do that? Why did he take him to a high mountain again? Well, I don't know. Maybe a better vantage point. Maybe all that holiness was blocking the view of all the splendor of the kingdoms of the earth. I don't know. Anyway, he took him to the, to the high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Now, that would be quite a trick to begin with. But secondly, it says, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all the sin. No. It says all the splendor. And so I thought, well, why, why wouldn't he have showed him, you know, I mean, you think of all the kingdoms of the world. Let's think about, uh, let's think about the kingdom of the Castro brothers. Now, I, you know, we're familiar with that. Okay, that, that would have been a good kingdom to see. What would you see there? You'd see hunger. You'd see um, communism. You would see uh, pastors put in jail because they take a Bible onto a bus. 
I mean, that's, that's ending. But you would see underground churches, so that's kind of ending, and it's all surfacing now. You, but you'd still see tight control, and you'd see deep sin and alcoholism. Okay, so that's kingdoms of the world. Let's, let's think you'd see, okay, kingdom of the United States. What would you see in the United States? Well, you see Trump. That names it all right there. You know, <clears throat> um, fake news, fake news, fake news. You know, you'd, you'd see, well, let's, let's talk about Canada. Okay, so you'd see the kingdom of Trudeau. Oh, my soul, don't even, don't even get me going there, Wayne. I don't want to talk about that this morning. <laughs> well, you, okay, let's, uh, let's talk about the, how about the kingdom of China. What do you see in the kingdom of China? Well, you see billionaires living right beside absolute poverty. You see those, those uh, uh, eating and drinking $100,000 meals with people who are starving right at the bottom of the, of the apartment blocks. You know, that's what you'd see. You'd see, you'd see crime. You'd see, you know, the, uh, an absolute opulent wealth under the communist system. And then you'd see, you know, abject poverty and death. You'd see human trafficking. You'd see death and dying and pornography. You'd see drug addiction. You'd see cocaine addicts. You'd see heroin. You'd see all of that. Okay, well, well let's, let's, let's go. Uh, maybe the kingdom of, of Afghanistan. That'd be kingdom of the world. What do you see there? Well, you see the big classes, you know, and the differences, and you see the poppy fields, you see the death, you see the war, you'd see, you know, a nation rising against nation. So here, it's for it to say, he showed them all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor means right away to me, somebody's lying here. Because all the kingdoms of the world are not all filled with splendor. <clears throat> notice, notice what Jesus said. You see, <clears throat> Satan, Satan showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, and he said, all this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus' response here was, uh, was worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Living under the authority of God knowing his word, what he calls me to in humility maybe is on the sands as they step out of a plane and you're shot full of arrows, dying. That's okay. God calls me to that. I live under that authority. What he calls me to is, is to be baptized with the baptism Jesus was baptized with. That's okay because I live under that authority. Myself is not here in all the splendor, in all the spiritual mountaintops, in all the physical mountaintops, in all the human mountaintops. The authority is here because I recognize his authority and I choose to live under that authority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Things. You know what it says? That? All these things will be added unto you. <clears throat> all the kingdoms of the world. Um, you know, I didn't know what splendor is I didn't I mean I know what it is people say well, that's that's uh how, how how would you use splendor in a sentence you'd say man you look splendiferous <laughs> that even a word yeah I think it is right let's say it is if you don't know any different I'm gonna say it is <clears throat> 
Or, uh, or, or I'll tell you this, I did check this, that the word splendid, not splenda, but splendid comes from splendor, you know, as the object, splendid. That was a splendid job. You look splendid in that suit. Someone said to me this, you look splendid in that suit. How come you didn't get one that fit you? Well, wait a minute. I'm not even sure what that means. You give a compliment here and something else here. I don't know. Take what you want. You know, splendid. You know, that's, that was a splendid uh, recording that you did. You know, that was wonderful. That was a splendid song. That was a, a splendid uh, piano playing. That was splendid. It means, means glorious. It means very good. It means wonderful. Two words come out of this temptation to me. And it's what Jesus said in verse 10. He said, away from me, Satan. Okay, that's, that's okay, those three words. Away from me, Satan. But these are two words. For it is written, worship the Lord, your God. Right, and we, and we go back to John chapter four. That's what he said to the woman by the well that God is seeking for a specific type of worshiper, those that worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship. It is written, worship the Lord your God. But he, goes, he also goes on and he says, and serve, serve him only. Worship and serve. And the object of both the worship, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. <clears throat> I remember coming back from Cuba one time and um, it was just after Hurricane Matthew or Katrina, maybe it was Katrina. And uh, I spent a lot of time in Havana and Ocean rose up at that hurricane, and I'm telling you, there was eight feet of mud all along the front street there, like what's in Manzanillo, that long street along the shore. It's like there's eight feet of mud. Eight feet's a lot, right? And for the length of it, just like the whole ocean came right up, right onto it. What a disaster, and the food supplies were shot. And, and I talked to, the, to a guy who was running the food collection agency for the, for the country, and, and he said that the Cuban mouths are going to be really quiet for the next four months because there is no food in the country and we have no money to buy anything. So I, I, I came back and the devastation, it was, it was awful. Everything that was on the trees was knocked off. Everything that was in the ground was wiped out because it flooded and it ruined and it rotted right where it was at. And I, and I came back, I flew into Toronto <clears throat> and I got off on the 401. I mean, it came out of the, of the you know, an entryway and got onto the 401 and four limousines passed me. And this overwhelming urge to throw up it just, it just, oh, you know, I had to pull off and, and get my breath because I was going to be sick. And, it, and I thought, you know, I, I just, I came out of this situation down south that was just absolute trauma and terrible. And all of a sudden there I was in all of the splendor and arrogance and opulence of, of Canada there. These four limousines going by. And I thought, I don't think I can take this. It, it, it has forever put into my mind this, uh, this, this principle. And I guess, I guess I'm going to call it one of the, the third principles of how Satan wants 
the Christian to live and how he tempts the Christian, how he tempts the church, is that everything we do needs to be splendid, not necessarily faithful. You understand the difference? I, um, I, I can say this because I, I know you and I, this does not apply to anyone here. But sometimes I really struggle. I really struggle with Canadian wealth. And I, I really struggle with, with how we want splendor around us, how we build our lives in that. And I, and I know that, that we're, you know, here in Atlanta, Canada, we're pretty humble people. I, I, I know that. I can say that. But, but I'm telling you, God looks for worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. And what that means is worshipers who worship him in humility and sincerity and in knowing that he is the sovereign king of all that is and he just asks you to come to his throne. He invites you. He prepares you. He washes you. He cleanses you. He puts a new robe of righteousness on you. And he brings you to that place. And the question is, why? The question is, why? So I can have a, this splendidness over here. The question is, is why? So I can, so I can go to church and I can, and I can, I can have this, this splendid something poured into my life and I can, I can take everything to him. Well, 80% of the world is going hungry and, and, and we're 20%, but we're going to eat 80% of the food and, and I, can, I can do this over here. Is, is that, is, no, I know that's not why. We desire to live under the authority of God. And I, I'm looking at you, and I'm looking into your faces, and I know you. I know what your lives are like, and I know that's what you desire. You desire to live under the authority of God. The principles of Satan say, you deserve this splendor. And your response to that is, oh, wait a minute, I am not worshiping stuff. I am not worshiping splendor. I am not worshiping money. I am not worshiping houses or lands or, or cars. I am not worshiping this stuff over here. I'm living under God's authority over here. Now, God said he knows what you need. Why are you worrying about it? He said he knows what you need to wear. Look how he clothes the, the field. Look how he feeds the birds. You can read about that farther on. I think it's the next chapter, isn't it? Chapter 6 or something like that of Matthew, you know? And, and he, he, he talks about that over there. You know, the end of chapter 6, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he's going he's gonna to look after all that stuff, but don't worship it. But the tempter comes, and he says, you know what? Did you ever hear this? You deserve that. Oh, You've, you've paid your dues. You deserve this. I'm going to tell you where that's going to lead to. Principles of Satan, not the authority of the Father. Worship only God. And serve 
only him. Does that not say that? Verse 10, worship and serve him only. <clears throat> so Friday I was talking to, uh, oh, to a lot of people about the shooting thing. And um, I tell you, I'm going to tell you something. This new, new job is not glorious. <laughs> people say, you know, uh, congratulations on the promotion. And I'm saying it's, it's condolences. It's not, it's not congratulations. This is not glorious. When you have someone on the other end of the phone hiding in a closet, hoping the shooter doesn't come by. It's not glorious. And I come away from it thinking, Lord, how, how can I serve you in this? There's no acclamation. There's no splendidness. There's no, you know, what a splendid event that was. There's none of that. There's simply God saying this. I put you there for such a time as this. Just listen to what I'm telling you. Serve only him. The enemy says, look at all that splendor. Wow, that's a, that's a great job. Not. Serve only him. Well, I hope you came to church today to be encouraged because I do want to encourage you because I, I believe in you. I believe that, that everyone here, let's go over the crowd here for a minute. I believe that everyone here wants to live under the authority of the Father. I, I believe that. I can look in your faces. I can see that. And when the tempter comes in your weakest moment that you're hungry, and, you know, you can be hungry for companionship. You can be, you can be hungry for, for, uh, for money, you know, because you're, you're running out at the end of the month and there's too many weeks left. You can be hungry for food. You can be hungry for recognition. You know, after, after starving for, for all of these things, the devil comes by and he says, you deserve this. And you say, no, man shall not live by bread alone. And you can substitute bread for companionship. You can substitute bread for, uh, for what perceived needs are. You can substitute bread for all those other things. Man shall not live by bread alone. Man shall not live by companionship alone. Man shall not live by <clears throat> whatever else alone, but by the word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. And when you look at your career or look at where you're going, you look at your, your place of significance, you know, and, and how you gain significance, and you, 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 can, you can look because the devil comes by and he says, who do you think you are anyway? You're, you're, you're. And this is what the devil says to us. And I'm not the only one he says, you think you're a somebody? You're not a somebody. You know, there's always somebody greater than you. Don't judge yourself by someone else's accomplishments. Judge yourself by who you were yesterday. And say, today is a different day because I'm a child of God, and I'm living under the authority of God. And when he takes you to the high mountain, 
and you look out over all the vast sea of how splendid the world is. Wouldn't it be great to go on a cruise? On a cruise. Now, and, uh, I, uh, I like to eat too much, and that's all they do, it sounds to me, like on a cruise. I've never been on one. Don't really want to go on one because I'd have to roll off. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I can't, I don't know. I know my weakness. My weakness is raisin pie and lemon pie and, and, uh, and all that good stuff to eat, you know, but the, the, the splendid, you know, the, you, you sit on the mountaintop, you see it all, and you, you think, Lord, is that, is that all for me? Can I have all that? And do I, you know, am I worshiping that house, car, land, bank account, RRSP? Am I worshiping that stuff? Or am I worshiping you here living under the authority your word, your kingdom, and your presence. I want to worship only the Father. I want to serve only the Father. And if that means I get out of that plane, up that river in the Amazon someplace, get shot full of arrows, so be it. For such a time as this, you are placed in this place under his authority. That's all I'm going to say about that. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning we are thankful, Lord, for the opportunity that we have, Lord, to be in your kingdom. Father, even to know about your kingdom. Father, that, that you have made a way for us to to know you and to come to you and to <clears throat> be a part of your family through the blood of Jesus Christ. And Father, I'm asking, Lord, in Jesus' name that you would guide us and lead us as we sing this last song. For, for Father, sometimes we struggle with significance and we, we struggle with recognition and we struggle with, with things of the world in all of their splendor when... When, Father, we need to be struggling with worshiping you, living under your authority, and serving only you, where we find ourselves today. Father, I'm asking, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would have your way on our hearts and lives this morning. And Father, where we are and what we're about, I'm asking, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would guide us and show us your will that we can serve you more effectively. And Father, let your spirit of humility surround us that we, that we know and understand that for such a time as this, you have prepared this people for such a time as this. You have prepared these men and women for such a time as this. You are preparing this church to live under your authority and that we would be your people and we would worship only you. So, Father, let me say again, I recognize your sovereignty. I recognize that you are the creator one, and I am not. And, Lord, I submit myself 
And Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I submit this church that you have placed me in this position in. I submit this church under your authority. You are the head. We are the body. Father, guide us as we seek to serve you more. In Jesus' name we pray.